You're listening to Excellent Reception! Hello, I'm your host, Little Dave, and welcome to another episode of Excellent Reception, the podcast where we talk about timeless music and why it's so amazing. We know it's been a little while since our last episode, but we have something really great in store for you today. For this episode, I want to make sure you have the proper amount of bass on your speakers. So if you have a subwoofer or if you have some really high quality headphones, you want to put them on now so you can hear all the low end. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Please take the time to leave a review. These help push up our rankings in the podcast charts so more people can discover excellent reception. Also check out our website, www.excellentreception.com, as well as our site on Medium for articles about the artists and songs we have featured on the podcast. Let's get started. The classic drum machine known as the 808 has maintained a place in the backbeat of popular music since its creation in the early 1980s, all the way up until today. Its unique sound has helped define numerous genres, such as techno, Miami bass, electro, and trap. On this episode of Excellent Reception, we are going to explore the syncopated world of the TR-808 drum machine. Just in case you've ever wondered, the TR and TR-808 stands for transistor rhythm. Its distinctive sound comes from the fact that it actually uses analog sound synthesis instead of digital sampling to create its drum tones. Just like with keyboard synthesizers, this device works by tweaking and sculpting white noise and various waveforms. These raw tones are processed through envelopes and filters until they are shaped into the classic 808 drum kit. Every time one of the drums gets triggered, that sound is generated from scratch, which causes a slight bit of variation. This means that you never get exactly the same sound twice. The legendary 808 drum kit consists of a kick drum, a snare drum, three toms, three congas, two hi-hats, a rim shot, a clave, a cymbal, a hand clap, maracas, and a cowbell. These 16 standard sounds each have their own special properties that make them memorable. The cowbell is a bright metallic chime that can quickly become annoying if overused. The hand clap is thin and brittle, yet it delivers a powerful impact. The snare drum is a harsh slap that's sharp enough to cut through layers of music. Most importantly, the highly sought-after kick drum is a long and drawn-out bloom of bass that hits tones so low it rattles your soul. All of these sounds seem to be EQ'd to just the right frequencies to play off of each other perfectly. Japanese electronic instrument manufacturer Roland only produced the TR-808 between 1980 and 1983. The original intent was for it to be used by musicians as a way to help with recording demos 
without the help of a real drummer. This was one of the very first programmable drum machines to hit the market. Unfortunately, at the time, it wasn't a huge success. This was largely due to the fact that the 808's drums had a cold, toy-like sound, while most of its competitors, like the Lin LM1, used samples that emulated the warm, organic feel of real drums. The TR-808 was never built with the intention of being used on professional recordings. Its inexpensive price tag made it a great piece of equipment for an up-and-coming artist or a producer on a budget. While many of the popular drum machines were $5,000 and over, you could get your hands on an 808 for under $1,500. Somehow, these machines seemed to get in all the right hands. The very first time an 808 drum machine was heard on a commercial recording was in 1980 for the song A Thousand Knives by the highly innovative Japanese band Yellow Magic Orchestra. In 1982, legendary producer Arthur Baker took inspiration from Kraftwerk, Ennio Morricone, and more to create a beat for what could possibly be the most iconic and influential 808 song ever, Planet Rock, by Africa Bambata and the Soul Sonic Force. Throughout the 1980s, more and more artists could be found incorporating the sound of the 808 into their music. It is found in the percolating backing rhythm for Marvin Gaye's sensual slow groover, Sexual Healing. New wave and synth pop bands like New Order incorporated these sounds into songs like Confusion. The Beastie Boys used a tape machine to play the 808s backwards on their hip-hop classic, Paul Revere. B-Boys could be found popping and locking to the high-tech breakbeats of electro-funk songs like the Egyptian Lovers, Egypt, Egypt, which fully embraced the TR-808 as an instrument of the future. This drum machine helped spawn a host of new musical movements like Miami Booty Bass and Acid House. These days, you can hear the 808 being used by artists of all genres. Groups like Outkast praise it on songs such as The Way You Move. And Kanye West built his whole 808s and Heartbreaks album around it.
producers making trap music, EDM, and pop songs can be heard layering samples of that infamous kick drum into their compositions to give it that extra impact it needs for the club. There doesn't seem to be any sign of the tr 808 saturation into music culture drying out anytime soon. Let's take a look at some classic songs that use the legendary Roland TR-808 drum machines to the fullest. This is the Excellent Reception Podcast. One of the most memorable electro songs ever, Clear, was created by a band out of Detroit known as Cybertron. Band members Juan Atkins and Richard 3070 Davis pulled together their influences from Midwestern funk and craft work to science fiction novels in order to concoct a musical style that is light years ahead of anything out at the time. On Clear, Juan and Richard build a hyper-real environment out of richly layered synth chords, bubbly arpeggiated melodies, and long whooshes of white noise. The skeleton of the track is a thumping 808 drum arrangement. This commanding rhythm would be sampled over and over again by booty bass pioneers like the Poison Clan and DJ Magic Mike, as well as on big hits like Missy Elliott's Lose Control. The song Cybotron created helped to lay the groundwork for what would become techno, a genre that Juan Atkins is considered to be one of the originators. Atkins would continue to use the 808 as his secret weapon. In addition to it being a staple piece of equipment in the studio, he would go on to incorporate it into his DJ sets and his live performances. So here we go. Cybertron with Clear.
during the recording of their second album, So Where Are You, British R&B group Loose Ends were hoping to find a way to penetrate the American market. In 1985, the hit they were looking for came in the form of a dreamy, yet club-friendly tune called Hanging on a String. At the time, Hanging on a String was already written and most of the musical elements were already recorded. It was unlike a lot of records out at the time. It was a slow-paced club record with male and female vocals playing back and forth off of each other. It just needed one more element to make it work. In came a DJ from Philly named Nick Martinelli. Nick was part of a new breed of producers, the remixers, that were changing the industry by using their knowledge of nightclub culture to make hit songs. He felt they should change the drums on Hanging on a String so that they use the TR-808, and he suggested that they use the drum pattern from No One's Gonna Love You by the SOS Band as inspiration. Lucens went back to the studio and programmed a beat almost exactly like the SOS Band Classic. The brand new rhythm section gave Hanging on a String the magic it needed. The song went on to become a number one hit in the United States. Of course, the producers of the SOS Band, the legendary Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, took notice of what they did with the drums, and they weren't too happy about it. And now for Loose Ends, Hanging on a String.
January 28, 1984, was a big day in hip-hop history. This is the day that the very first rap record with a Def Jam logo, Tila Rock and Jazzy J's It's Yours, was released. Rapper Tila Rock, along with his brother Special K of The Treacherous Three, worked together to carefully construct the lyrics for what would soon become an typical rap masterpiece. The rhymes they wrote would go on to be quoted, imitated, and sampled for years to come. The production took inspiration from producer Rick Rubin's experiences witnessing DJs cut up records live, as well as what Run DMC was doing on songs like Sucker MCs. Tila Rock and Rick created a demo of the original beat on an 808 drum machine while hanging out in Rick's dorm room at NYU. Later, they would finish off the song in a recording session at Powerplay Studios in Queens. During this session, Tila Rock would put his unforgettable raps on tape, and DJ Jazzy J of the Zulu Nation would lay down his now infamous scratches. The finishing touch to It's Yours is the celebratorial atmosphere created by the sound of a hyped-up crowd in the background. This was actually the multi-tracked chants of a few of the guys who happened to be hanging out in the studio session, including members of the then-unknown Beastie Boys. And here it is, Tila Rock and Jazzy J, It's Yours. To the beat, to the beat, to the beat, to the beat, to the beat. 
comes to songs that really define the early 80s b-boy era, there is no song that resonates with people as hard as Al Nafish by Hashim. The title, Al Nafish, was an incorrect Arabic word that was intended to mean the soul. The song was a certified breakdance anthem in the streets. It hit number 43 on the Billboard Dance Disco charts, and it became an overall hit worldwide. Even until this day, it continues to be used in movies, licensed for video games, sampled by new artists, and placed on compilations. Many people don't know that Al Nafish was the handiwork of a 16-year-old kid from Upper Manhattan named Jerry Khalis Jr., who found Islam at an early age and was given the name Hashim by a mentor. Hashim was heavily involved with DJing and making music throughout his teenage years. After playing some song ideas to his friend, Aldo Marin, another local DJ, the two decided to invest in some equipment and get the tune recorded. The result was Anafish, the soul. Hashim and Aldo joined forces to found the now legendary Cutting Records to release the song as a 12-inch record. And the rest is history. It's hard not to start dancing as soon as you hear Al Nafish start playing. The song kicks off full force with a cowbell crazy 808 breakbeat and continues to build with the pulsating bass line, synth stabs, DJ scratches, and a distorted robotic voice chanting the title of the song. Occasionally, the beat drops out and lets a haunting synthesizer melody play. One of the things that helped Al Nafish to become so culturally significant was that it was one of those songs that DJs love to cut back and forth. 
Hashim and Aldo strategically decided to record three slightly different versions of the song to put on the single. Each version had a different robotic voice in the beginning of the track that was set up perfectly for a DJ to scratch before the music dropped in. The most famous intro is the one where the voice yells out a long and drawn out command that lets you know it's time. This is the Excellent 
During the early 80s, a lot of artists who hit it big in the 70s were searching for ways to modernize their sound. Funk musician Rick James was no different. He felt the pressures of the changing musical landscape, as well as the pressures of trying to have the one-up against his musical rival, Prince. For his 1983 album, Cold-Blooded, he went for a less guitar-driven and stripped-down sound. On the title track, he created the drum section using the Roland TR-808 drum machine. The backing beat is a bare-bones rhythm with just the right amount of swing to bring out the funk. As the song moves along, little stabs of synthesizer, rhythm guitar, and bass are scattered throughout to fill in the gaps. Overall, it's the interplay between Rick's vocal arrangements and the 808 drums that really helped to carry the song. During the time he wrote Cold-Blooded, Rick was dating actress Linda Blair, who's best known for her role as the possessed child in the 1973 movie The Exorcist. While hanging out at his studio one time, Rick decided to show Linda how he comes up with his music. He ended up laying down the drums, bass, synths, and more for what would eventually become the backing track for Cold-Blooded. He also took inspiration from his relationship with Linda for the lyrics to this song. One particular incident that is said to have influenced the theme of the song is when Rick got Linda pregnant and she had an abortion without his knowledge. In his biography, Glow, he said that the song was about how Linda could freeze his blood. And here you go, Cold-Blooded by Rick James. I think you're so sexy, 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 sexy. 
Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Excellent Reception. If you love what we're doing here, please spread the word to other music lovers that you know. And make sure you check us out at excellentreception.com. And if you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you can be the first to hear about new episodes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and many more. Also, you can listen to my broadcast radio show, Eavesdrop Radio, in Philadelphia every Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM. Also, you can catch it streaming live online at WKDU.org. So until next time, this is your host, Little Dave, signing off for the excellent reception. But we're coming in loud and clear with the sounds you need to hear. This is the Excellent Reception Podcast.